This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and I hope you're having a wonderful Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um, Saturday, Sunday, I feel like you're already going to have a wonderful day, and let's be real, nobody really listens to podcasts on Saturday and Sunday, but if you do, listen to this one. Um... We have Kaylee Fretz on the show today. Uh, he's actually, when we recorded this last week, he was at the Tour de France the day after in a coffee shop. And uh, and the dude's incredible. Like, I, uh, the work and the grind of these reporters that cover the tour and that cover cycling and that cover racing, um, especially working for an organization like Cycling Tips, which puts out such good content all the time, uh, much respect. Um Kaylee is the editor-in-chief over at cyclingtips.com. Uh, the amount of content that gets pushed through that place is bonkers. I always joke, like, we feed the machine, like, we have to keep feeding the machine, to, you know, in terms of producing content and, like, putting new stuff out. They're on a whole nother level. It's technical. It's thoughtful. And there's a lot of really good opinion pieces, too. I think that's what's missing from a lot of, like, the Velo news is of the world. And I know that's a sister brand of the outside platforms whatever but i think what cycling tips does really well is they mix the technical aspects with the fun aspects of things and the opinion aspects of things and i i really appreciate that as a as a reader um and now as a subscriber i i i feel like that's that's worthwhile for uh for all of us as content consumers if you will um also note that their social media is great uh, they have somehow managed to uh, avoid being attacked by the, uh, the demonization of Instagram, aka Reels, and uh, <laughs> and everything seems to be going swimmingly over there. So shout out to Kaylee, thank you for doing this episode, especially at the end of a long tour. That uh, we're like, I'm yeah, I'm always thankful to have these people on the show because it's it's difficult. It's not easy for anybody. So uh, although. Kaylee always makes it seem super easy. So we chat about the tour, obviously, for a little bit. We chat about what they do at Cycling Tips. We talk about being a reporter. We kind of talk about all kinds of stuff. So um, we talk about, like, cycling's superhero in Wout Banner. Um, even though I called him Woot in the interview. Um, but I was, like, being facetious. I, th- I thought about that immediately after. I'm like, I hope he doesn't think that I, like, don't actually know what his name is. But anyway, nonetheless, a <laughs> um, few things. Uh one thing real quick before we get into sponsors, we have some good ones for today, but the there is an episode that got recorded about that Mountain Gazette article um, about influencers and holding them accountable and all this stuff. Um, so I did the interview with um, Ari, Ari Schneider, and after doing the interview with him and after talking to some of the people involved... Uh, and obviously reading the article because that's a thing that should be required for you to do in order to have an opinion. Um, I decided that it's not going to go out. I decided it's not going to go on air. Um, it's not going to like, it's not, it's just not going to go out um, for no reason other than I don't want to perpetuate the hate that the internet has kind of pushed through uh, that forum when I interviewed Ari, it's like, we talked about the interview, the interview, like, or we talked about the article. The article's not what the internet made it out to be. It's not 
about catching people and fraud for PPP loans and tearing down influencers or tearing down athletes that, and again, like I don't fucking like a lot of influence, like true influencers, like the ones that are like, Oh my God, look at my life. And they've got like the fucking bang, bang, bang music, like behind like these beautiful scenes. And I'm just like, yeah, this is kind of weird, but and I think everybody feels the same way, but I got to tell you, like, a lot of these people are just athletes and they're advocates and they try their best and they do the best with what they can. I don't want to perpetuate hate towards those people, especially when it's not warranted and it's not what the article was about. Um, the article was about Mattia Snark, um, which is a Reddit feed, um, which is about Brianna Mattia. Um, I think that's her first name. Um, and a bunch of sketchy shit that she did, basically. The only problem and the only thing that people really picked out of that whole article was a couple of screenshots that were put out on the internet of the article talking about PPP loans, who took PPP loans, why they took them, and if, if they really needed them. And honestly, it you know it's public record of who took what and for how much. You got to remember, this was in covid this was like when nobody knew if their job was safe, like everybody needed a security blanket and it was there. Like if your business was organized in a way that you could take these loans, whether you were a individual or a business or what, like, I don't know, like we didn't take them because we didn't need them. And I was comfortable enough to say that we didn't need them. Um, the shop took some because we needed to cover payroll. Like that was, I mean, there was two months of no activity where we were basically just shut down. Um, like you got to cover those things and it's not a lot of money. So it's for us, at least it was like for a full business. I don't know. I don't know what we took exactly. I'm sure it's out on the internet, but I think it was like 30 K or something like that for a, for a business um, to cover all their payroll and all the expenses and that kind of stuff. So, it was very bizarre to me to see the way that the internet took this article that they didn't read and attacked all these people that didn't deserve it. And I, the more I saw the reactions from these people and the more that I talked to Ari, I was like, okay, Ari really didn't have a bad intention here. He just wanted to write an article about, look, this is what this fucking person did, which is shitty as fuck. And this is the potential of what these other people did. Like he's just asking the question. And I think that that's where the issue is. What I do wish is that genuinely, I wish a couple things. I wish that people actually answered his email and gave a reason why they didn't want to do an interview or do an email explaining themselves or whatever. And they have a right. They don't need to explain themselves, but I do wish that they responded because if they responded, they probably wouldn't be put in this article. Um, if they, it's, it's tough for me. I, I just, I don't think that anybody deserves to be internet mobbed for something that was legally allowed during a time of crisis for everybody. And I think the internet a lot of times lacks a lot of empathy. And I, I think that that would be a cool thing to, um, to develop as an internet society as we become more of an internet society all the time. So that's, that's just kind of my thoughts. Uh, Ari, I don't think had any bad intention. Um, and if he did, I couldn't see it. And the other thing I had an issue with was like, Mike did not want to put the article online. Um, did not want to put the article out where people could get it. The only way you could get it is if you order the magazine, like if you get the magazine, just fine. But like, 
Like that's his choice. I I don't want to put something else that put something out that only people who have like the limited, limited, limited number of people that have this magazine in their hands compared to the people who had reactions to it was like a huge discrepancy. So I I didn't want to put something out about something that nobody's read and frankly nobody's probably going to read. Um so I I had a I had a little bit of a dilemma putting that out there. Um without that article being available for everybody. Um and honestly without talking to everybody else if everybody wanted to get on a call together like Caroline and Meg Haywood Sullivan and Rachel Pohl was the one that was like, this shouldn't even be mentioned. She's a, she is her business. She's an artist. Like she's not like whatever. Anyway. Um, and Caroline's an athlete and Brody's an athlete. Anyway, like I'm going on too long about this. Anyway, that episode's not coming out unless something changes where we can all have a discussion, all of us together and kind of talk about what the intent was. And, and honestly, if people get to read the article, um, the only way to do it right now is to purchase a copy of Mountain Gazette and, and that's fine. But I think that that's not, I can't put something out that, you know, however many subscribers they have over at Mountain Gazette have read, if they've read it. So uh, it just wasn't worth it to me. It sounded like it was only going to make things more negative. Um, and that was it. I didn't want to make it negative on Ari. I didn't want to make it negative on any of the people mentioned in there because honestly, a lot of them are really good people and I know them and they're not pieces of shit. Like everybody on the internet was like, oh, everybody's a piece of shit. And then on the other side, like everybody's coming at Mount Gazette and Mike and all this stuff and it, whatever. It, it's a little, uh, it, it's a weird space. That's enough on that. Anyway, we have ads. Um, <laughs> like let's transition into us doing our thing. Um, but people have asked me about it, so I figured I'd, I'd explain why it's not coming out ever. The first sponsor for today uh, is our friends at Woodchuck Cider. Woodchuck has an amazing event coming up on August 20th called Cider Stock. It'll take place at Woodchuck Cidery in Middlebury. Um, we are giving away this Friday 10 tickets, five pairs, if you will. I feel like that's the best way to do it. Uh, to go to see Bleachers live, um, as well as a bunch of other amazing artists uh, live at Woodchuck Cidery. So, um, if you want some free tickets, pay attention this week. We'll be giving away some of those, and uh, and obviously check out all the wonderful products that Woodchuck has to offer. The Mimosa, the Persecco, the um, Bellini, which is my current favorite, the Paloma, which is amazing. Um, there, there's so many good ones. So, Shout out to those guys. Uh, look out for ticket giveaways this week, um, as well as we'll probably do two giveaways this week. Uh, there'll be another one for uh, Deuter, um, and probably another one later on for Rumple. We'll talk about that later. Um, this is turning into a very long intro, so I apologize. Uh, we also have our friends at Onyx. Onyx Backcountry is a wonderful app machine. Um, I'm calling it an app machine because it is an app. It is also a computer-based system um, where you can literally map out your route, map out your destination, find active fire zones. Like, there's tons of add-ons to this thing. Like, I didn't even know that there was wildfires in Western Mass, and there's there's a wildfire last week in Western Mass, and I was just like, what? In an area that I was going to go ride my bike pretty close to it, at least. Um, so I was very unaware that that aspect of it even existed there's things like slope angle um, as we start to get into winter this is like that's when this app thrives 
Um, trailheads are there, link points are there, elevations, obviously, slope angles, everything you need to properly plan a trip, even some photos along the way, some more information as you click on the more popular peaks, the more traffic peaks, um, the more traffic routes, you can find all the information you need. Uh, if you would like to save some money on an Onyx Backcountry Premium Membership, which is the one you should get, it is only $29 a year normally. It is uh, less than that if you use our 20% off code, which is just out of bounds. doesn't matter. All lowercase, all uppercase, whatever you want on onxbackcountry.com. Uh, so go do that. Get yourself on X. Get yourself prepared for the winter season and even the hiking season, honestly. Like, it's it's dialed in. So um, there's a lot of really cool routes, little things that I didn't even know existed in my backyard, right, and the trail's hear me so uh check it on xbackcountry.com and uh that is uh that's it that's it for today uh leave us a review on itunes and spotify if you can it helps a ton with the show it helps all of us grow all four shows uh subscribe to the youtube we've got tons of new reviews out we just released a rebel rail 29 review we released a solomon blank review which is really good and we released a review on the Santa Cruz Blur. Um, So we talk about those three things. We're doing reviews every single week. Adam X will pop in every once in a while and do some of those too. We'll have some guest spots. Gear Guide is coming out in the fall. Don't forget about that. Blah, 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 blah. Listen to all the shows on the network, and I'm done. Sorry for the 14-minute intro. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with the wonderful Kaylee Fretz. Kaylee, how are you? I'm good. I am uh, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I'm finishing up two and a half weeks of, of, of the Tour de France, and uh, we went out for, for a small party last night, uh, first on a boat, and then underneath the Champs-Élysées, and um, well, I just need coffee. It's really what I need at the moment, but I'm good. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you burnt out? Like, are you ready to go home? I am very ready to go home. Uh, yeah, we, we, we just swapped teams because obviously you know men's race finished up today and the the brand new Tour de France 10 started yesterday uh so thank goodness we've got other people coming in with a a, that are fresher than I am yes yes, I'm very ready to go home at this point it's uh it's a slog over here I I shouldn't say that I shouldn't complain about covering the Tour de France it's really fun and and one of the coolest things (laughs) that I do you're allowed to complain you're allowed to complain no but at the end of it it's definitely um I'm just tired. tired. It's, it's impossible to not be like, you're just, you're on all the time, especially with the amount of content that you guys put out. Like it's exhausting. It is exhausting. But again, I, you know, it's fun. Like, uh, I, this is number 12 for me now. Um, and I wouldn't come back. I wouldn't come back if it wasn't super fun in, in maybe it's type two fun. Uh, but it's, it's super fun. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about what the tour was like. I mean, a lot of people are talking about how this was the best tour ever. Uh, how do we feel about that statement? Um, because I've seen that thrown around a lot and it feels like recency bias to an extent, but it's definitely, it, it was a phenomenal tour. I was, it was awesome. Um, yeah, a colleague of, of, of mine, Daniel Freep, who works or does the, the cycling podcast, um, does now some, I think, TV stuff for ITV. He rates the Tour de France every year in uh, red wine glasses out of five. <laughs> uh, and and this was his this was his first five wine glass tour since 2003. 
which those who were watching the race at that point in time would remember that that was one of the sort of peak Armstrong Ulrich dual years. Uh, and I'm not sure I fully agree with with Daniel that it was a full five out of five, but for me it was at least a four probably. Um, I mean, the, the sort of like the overall the yellow jersey narrative was just so much fun the entire month because we had this this really interesting dynamic with the you know best team in the race for most of it not having the yellow jersey and then the, we think probably the best rider in the race trying to fight back and get the yellow jersey back and how to forgot you is just such a dynamic athlete that it made all of that really fun and really exciting i think it was missing a couple things it was missing like i wish mark cavendish was here yeah i wish julian alphalete was here uh and i think it was missing some of that sort of star power and there's no controversy this race, which maybe doesn't add to the doesn't add to the narrative at all. But like I'm sitting here with you know page view targets for July, and I I would love to have a little bit of controversy in, in sprinkled throughout at some point. Maybe not doping, but you know yeah. we've had like big crashes where we've got we've got you know there's always something something crazy that happens in tour, and this year was just a really pure racing tour and, and less about sort of the, the wildness that happened around it, uh, but. All that aside, yeah, I mean, best, best bike race I've seen since I started covering it, I think. Um, which, yeah, was 2011 with the Cadell Evans win. I can't think of one that I have enjoyed more from a just pure racing standpoint than, than this year. Yeah, and I think, like, it's almost like we were searching for controversy for certain things, like people complaining about Woot's tactics or, like, talking about, like you were mad about the face sock thing and the helmet and the time trial, like, which I agree. It was fucking disgusting. I was furious. I was furious. It was, yeah, it was bad. I mean, but the same thing exists in skiing and people are just fine with it, right? Like Ruroc helmets, helmets have been around forever. It's like a thing every helmet company is offering in their arsenal. And it's just, it's disgusting, but it's, it's what it is. Yeah. I don't think it's something we're going to escape, unfortunately. Uh, you know, but I had to put my stake in the sand and say, I do not agree with this progression. <laughs> uh, and I would like to go back. Just want to go back. Yeah. Let's, let's take one step back. Um, what is it like watching from like a press booth and covering it? Because I think everybody watching it at home obviously gets a very different experience than what you get actually being at the race, but also like being in a press room, you know, like it's very, it's a different situation altogether. Yeah, I mean, we see less of the race than all of you, um, because the sort of the logistics of the Tour de France are, are, you know, it's obviously constantly on the move, and so we essentially go hotel, uh, start town, where we, you know, do interviews, do mix on stuff, and then we have to get from start town to the finish, and we do that while the race is on, and so we miss big swaths of the race right there. And then you get to a press room, which is usually in some airless, terrible gymnasium in the middle of a field in France somewhere, and it's a thousand degrees. Uh, and the TVs are really far away and only in French. And so, you know, for, for me anyway, like I have to be really concentrating to understand what, what on earth is happening uh, in, the, in the commentary. So we just miss huge, huge swaths of, of what's going on. We've kind of adjusted the way that we cover the tour as a result. Like, Generally, the people on the ground are not the ones writing sort of like tactical analysis pieces anymore, uh, because we just we just don't know. Like we we don't really know why things happen. I mean, the the Col du Grenon stage this year is a perfect example where they went over the Glibier, and this is the stage where Pedro Pagacha lost the yellow jersey. We were on the Glibier that day, 
um, we parked up right near the top of the, of the mountain and we decided that we were going to do so a podcast on the top of the mountain. And so we had really no idea what had happened on the lower slopes of that until we went back and watched the highlights later mm. and, and figured it out. So it's just, it's a, it's a completely different way of viewing the Tour de France. And in fact, one of my colleagues, Ronan, is, is covering his first tour this year and he found it kind of disheartening to we all enjoy watching the tour and we all remember watching the tour sitting on the couches at home or, you know, when you're in the U.S., you, you watch in the morning and you head out for a bike ride or you watch in the morning that you kick off your work day. And here, uh, yeah, we just, we just don't really get to enjoy it in that same way. We enjoy the sort of all the little things on the, on the side and uh, obviously getting here and, and, and experiencing and watching in person is amazing. Uh, but you just, you don't get, you don't get the sort of like big picture view that you get just sitting at home on a couch to be perfectly honest and, and, and it's a bit weird sometimes because we, we get we get fact checked we get corrected all the time on our daily podcast just because we get stuff wrong yeah. we just didn't see it yeah <laughs> uh and that's gonna be a bit embarrassing because we are supposed to be here being you know being informed reporters and all that but it's, it's sort of the reality of, of what covering the race is like yeah um, i think the second thing you asked there was like for what the press room is like and um i mean there's like I said, hot, sweltering press room. That's, that's not really the interesting bit. It, it, I always find the most interesting thing about the press room is who reacts to what and sort of how the press room as, a, as sort of an organism reacts to things. Um, you know, it, it all depends on who's there and which countries are there. And, you know, for example, when, when Egan Bernal was, was winning tours, uh, winning a tour, there was huge Colombian contingent there. And Colombian media has sort of like, much more, I would say, relaxed internal rules about like cheering on your own guys, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was a loud and raucous, and those guys would just stand up in the middle of the press room when when Bernal would attack and just start cheering, right? And you get a, we got a bit of that from the Danes this year when Vingio was riding well. Um, the French will often do it with with Thibaut Pinot, but it's just kind of it's, it's funny to hear the sort of different parts of the press room react to what's happening in the race. You'll hear guys cheer, you hear guys groan. Uh, in particular, like during the sky years, right? Press room attacks again, and you just hear the entire French side of the the press room go off. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a very uh, covering an event like this, and I think that's and just being at an event like this is very different. And I think people have it in their head that like, oh, being there is this great experience, and I, I'm sure to an extent it is, but it's not the whole experience that it is when you're like at home watching it. There's a lot of events like this, like even at a basketball game, like you go to a basketball game, it, watching it at home gives you everything. Watching it there gives you the energy in the building, but it doesn't give you the whole game. Like you're not what, like the whole thing is not on display and the tour even less. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, I will never complain about, about being here. It's super fun. It is, it is, it's a, it's a thrill every day. Right. And, you just have to sort of go in knowing that you're not going to know you're not going to you're not going to truly watch the race right you're not going to appreciate the race in the same way that that you do when you're sitting at home and watch on television like i said you'll miss things you will not necessarily understand why things are happening until much later but the other side of that is we hang out every morning and we watch the sport caravan go past and and you know last night I was walking around on a closed Champs-Élysées after the, after the stage, right? Like that's, that's, those are things that I will, you can never replicate yeah. anywhere else. And, and, you know, anybody listening out there, like, I don't, I don't want to scare people away from going to the tour, particularly as a fan. Uh, 
it's a hard thing to, to work, but it is an incredible thing to just go, go see and go watch. Yeah. No, for sure. I think that's if, if people have the opportunity, it's certainly a thing that, that they should go and do. Um, last question for you on the tour, I think. Um, who did you have to pick? Like, who was your pick to win the whole thing? Like, were you surprised? Um, I think I picked Pogaccio because I was just not being particularly creative. And um, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I mean, we, were, we all kind of knew that it was probably going to be between those two. And uh, I think that I, I wrote a piece about this uh, like two days ago, day or two ago, about how like the, the sort of dynamic in the race changed. And I think essentially Pogaccio lost because he didn't realize that soon enough. He didn't realize that he was up against equal. Mm. I mean, he's won so many things so easily over the last couple of years. So I think he kind of thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just attack whenever I want. I'll just, I'll attack on the cobble stage. I'll attack on the early, the little short climbs. I'll attack everywhere. And that kind of came back to bite him. Uh, and I think that, I imagine that he will come treat the race a little bit differently next year. Because I still do think he's the strongest rider I'd in agree. the race this year. Um, I think he just, I think he just kind of played it wrong because he's so used to being able to win so easily. Uh, yeah, he was my pick. Bingo was the smarter, better bike racer this month. And so a deserving winner. No question. Yeah, for sure. I think that became clear, um, especially after like stage 16, 17, whatever it was like, it was very apparent that the team dynamic made a huge difference too, right? Like Pogaccia had nobody basically left at that point. And it was, it was, it was disheartening for me because he was my pick as well. And I, I also just like the way he rides a bike. Like generally I don't think there's very many as somebody who primarily rides mountain bikes, watching road racing isn't always the most exciting thing in the world to me, but the way that Ty rides a bike, the way that (laughs) even Tom Pitcock, like that turn, like that kind of shit gets me going. And I think those moments uh, were why you pick somebody like Tade to to win because he's such a dynamic rider. And I thought, I just thought that the race was going to go differently. And it did to your point. It it felt like strategy was a little different. It felt like he could just muscle through things. And I think the the team aspect of it kind of prevented that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, The team thing was huge. I mean, he mentioned that in in the sort of, there's a, there's a post-race, uh, not, I shouldn't say post-race, there's a, there's a press conference that happens <clears throat> after the penultimate stage, so after the PP this year, um, every year. We're, we're, so most of the press conferences these, these days are done via video conference, and so we're all sitting in the press room, and they're in some box over by the finish line. And we talk to them via camera, but this is the only time that they, they haul in everybody into the actual press room, mm-hmm. uh, and we all line up, and they, they stick the guys up in the front, and uh, uh, did he, he said two things, which I think are, are interesting and, and probably good news for for a fan uh one he he sort of lamented that the, the team issues and the fact that they only had i mean they were down to four guys at the end of the race yeah right uh you can't really do anything with that the second thing was he was asked pretty directly like will you change your style meaning will you change the the attacks everywhere and just go going for it and like the reason why we like him as a bike racer and he was pretty adamant in, in saying no to that um now, how those two things kind of jive, I don't really know. Like, how do you how do you improve the strategy and not waste so much energy while also being interesting and dynamic? I don't know if, if how that actually works, but it, it's good that he sort of he has no intention, at least according to what he was saying in press conference, he has no intention of 
you know, reining it in and, and sort of going full, you know, team sky train, boring, yeah. right up the mountain and attack in the last 500 meters sort of thing, which yeah. is good news. Yeah, I, I agree. That's good news because yeah. you're right. That sky, that whole sky era to me was extremely boring. It was like frustrating. It's like every year I'd watch it, it'd be like, okay, fine. And it got to a point where you're like, this is not really that interesting. As a fan watching it, you're like, this is not that interesting. Like you're voting for them. You're rooting for them to lose more than you're actually like excited about watching the racing <laughs> for a lot of us. Yeah, which is, uh, I, the, yeah, they were, they're interesting years to cover. Um, because yeah, I think that the general sentiment in the press room was the same. You know, like I, I like I was talking about the cheering earlier. You know, one of the few times where I've heard sort of most of the press room kind of get up and 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 get a little cheer was, you know, when Chris Room would have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd say that you know, Chris is a lovely human being. Uh, I you know that was not a, not a personal thing, but people just, in particular in this line of work, right? You're you're essentially just rooting for storylines. Yeah. You're sitting there. Right. You've got to write. You've got to write a bunch of copy at the end of the day, and you just want something to happen because you're you're like, well, if, if nothing happens, I still, particularly the newspaper guys, like I still have 600 words to fill in tomorrow's <laughs> paper. What on earth am I going to put in there? They're just literally rooting for anything, <laughs> right? Uh, and and you know, and Chris Room falling off or Chris Room getting dropped or whatever was always the exciting thing at those at that point in time. All right, we're going to take a quick break from this one to tell you about our sponsor, Mirror Energy. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the folks at Mirror, they make some of the very best in hydration and, uh, what are those things called? Gels, goos, you know, when they're made with actual, like, is it different when they're made with actual food versus being made with like basically just sugar and all kinds of gross shit. Point is Mirror makes energy gels with actual food. Most of them have five, maybe six ingredients in them. They're all whole foods, uh, things that you can actually pronounce, things that you actually understand. That being said, the naming, on the other hand, sometimes is difficult for me. Blueberry bergamot uh, has taken me about six months to figure out how to say correctly. So, but I think I'm doing it right. So let me know if I'm not. Um, you can use promo code out of bounds on Mir's website. You save 15% off. And if you mention that blueberry bergamot is your favorite color because I messed up on an ad read once and uh, said blueberry bergamot is my favorite color instead of my favorite flavor. If you say that blueberry bergamot is my favorite color in the order notes, they will send you a free gift. So uh, go to mirrorenergy.com, grab yourself some of the best energy gels. Um, like it, they're just good. I'm not going to ramble on for too long about gels and hydration and like fitnessy foods. Um, but we have Lauren coming on the show pretty soon, as well as a couple other people to talk about nutrition and diet and like what all that stuff means, um, especially for athletes and aspiring athletes and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, mirrorenergy.com, use promo code out of bounds, save 15% off. Blueberry bergamot is my favorite color to get a free gift. Cool, cool. Back to the episode with Kaylee Fritz. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, kind of moving on real quick to some other things. Cycling Tips, uh, to me, is one of the better publications, websites, destinations for cycling information at this point. Like, it's just very dialed, whether you follow on Instagram or the podcast or the website itself. I think the content is really, really good. What? Thank you. 
anytime. What, <laughs> what goes into that? I guess, like, how does that formula work for you guys? Like how, how do you decide what is good content? Um, and as editor in chief, I imagine a lot of this falls on your shoulders to kind of decide like what works, what doesn't work. So talk to me about that. Yeah. I, I mean, a huge amount of it is, is letting the staff that we have chase the things that they're interested in. Um, I started as, as editor there, what, 20, end, end of 2018-ish. And so, so one of the first things I did was to kind of take stock of, of who we had and what they could do and what they liked and what they wanted to, to write about. Because I've, I've always found that, you know, when people are writing about the things that entertain them, then those were entertaining stories. And, and you know, a guy like Ian Trello is a perfect example. He's actually sitting about 10 feet away from me right now in his cafe. Uh, you know, he's, he, he, this morning, the, the post I put up this morning was, was ranking and rating all of the tour caravan. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, the, the amount that he would like to ride on them for a month in July. Like, he loves that kind of thing. It's funny. He's, he, you know, he can bring a bit of humor to it. Uh, he's also the same guy who did the giant Nick Clark story. Um, about the like the guy that essentially invented a, a fake past and and wound his way through all sorts of uh, well I don't even know how to I don't even know how to sum up that story it's it's one of the craziest stories I think any cycling website has probably ever posted uh, I mean if you haven't checked it out go do so uh, so a lot of it was just sort of allowing writers like that to the freedom to kind of express themselves and to dig into things and you know there's a fair amount of kind of back and forth and, and ian and i are, are and the rest of the crew are kind of constantly talking about like well is this a little bit too far how do we tweak this to make it kind of work better for for our audience but fundamentally like i don't sit around at the beginning of every month and make a list of stories that we that we need to write right and i'm not coming up with with the storylines because the storylines are coming from the editors who, who like writing about them and um, you know everything from from ian to like dave rome and his tool obsession for us is, is like a it becomes a little niche that we can fill he just loves that stuff and i'm not going to tell him that he that he can't write about it even if the sort of total audience size is not huge um because it's it, it makes for interesting content it makes for the kind of stuff that, that you know that you come to the site for because every time you open it up the goal is to have this sort of this array of, of interesting things to look at and to read and, and to kind of dig through. Now, what sits underneath all of that from a, from a practical standpoint is essentially commodity racing news for us. Um, and that's one of the things we kind of layered on, over, or I should say layered under over the last like 18 months to two years or so is, is just a pretty consistent, you know, you can, you can open up the site every morning and the sort of the biggest stories of the day in European road racing are going to be there. Whereas we didn't always do that in the past. And, you know, we're not trying to compete with cycling news on that front or, or even our, even Bella News, which is sort of on the same outside boat as us or on the same outside boat as us. Um, we just kind of pick and choose and, and we're a little more selective about, about what, which of those stories we put up. But having that stuff kind of sit underneath all the interesting, unique content gives us kind of a, a baseline of well, baseline of new and interesting stories every single day is because people are reading to kind of come back over and over and over again. And that, that's, that's essentially the, the as, as broadly as I can describe the content strategy uh, is that. It's like sit the, we, we cover bike racing uh, in the way that we think is interesting and then we layer on essentially the pet projects of every single editor on staff 
uh, over top of that. That's that's essentially what we do. Yeah, it, and it's funny because I feel like we're in this. We're we definitely are in this age where everybody gets snippets of information, and that's all they really care about, like t- on Twitter or on Instagram or just a clip of something, and nobody really dives into the whole thing. But I feel like the way that you guys have presented a lot of these articles and a lot of these topics are engaging enough that people actually click and they read through them. And the other thing that I think that's a credit to you guys too, is you have a paywall, but you don't have a paywall. Like it's, it's an interesting formula because people kind of get a full taste as opposed to reading half an article and then being it being like, Oh, you have to pay. That pisses me off. Like as a reader and as somebody who wants to support content and support independent writing, like, that makes me mad. This, however, like this formula where you get whatever, five free articles or whatever it is, and then it's three ninety nine a month, you get committed to the system almost. Like you, you're like, oh, I like this. This is worth my money. You get a full taste of what it is beforehand. Yeah, we, I mean, we did a huge amount of a huge amount of internal debate about how to best execute a paywall when, when we were first talking about it. Because um, for a long time, we just had no paywall. We essentially had a... It was almost like an NPR model. Support right. us if you like us, <laughs> kind right. of kind of thing. Um, and that was relatively effective. I mean, you know, we we built up a, a pretty large membership base just doing that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I do fundamentally believe that the stuff that we produce is is valuable, uh, and that you know, well, we, I frankly, I have you know, I have I have staff to pay, uh, and right. for them to create that stuff at at some point, at some point, like you know, we kind of do need to force people to give us money for it. Uh, and we we feel like the metered paywall, which is the you know you get five free or six free or I, can, I don't even remember what the number is, but our head of membership Andy plays that number all the time actually. <laughs> um, whatever that number is, uh, I think it's five right now. You get five free stories, like you said, you get a taste of it, uh, you get sort of a sense for what we do, and then if you want to get past that, you can you can do so. Um, now the kind of nice thing about that is that if you we did a pretty deep dive into sort of the analytics of the site and, and how users are coming to the site and, and basically what percentage of our audience are what I would call super users, which is people that actually will hit that five every month. Um, and it's actually relatively small, right? Because the majority of people coming through the site are just, you know, they're, they're coming in off Google or they're coming in off Facebook and they're maybe not like, you know, they don't, they don't have us as a, as a bookmark on their on their browser they're not showing up at cc every single morning you know we're talking about we, we do uniques in the millions every every month and so uh it's only a very small percentage of that that is that is like I said the super user the people that are that are going to hit that paywall um and, but we like the idea of that because we really only want to be charging the super user we only want to convert the super user into a member because we know that those are the people that actually do truly value the content and kind of understand what we're doing because um, they are, they're different audiences. I mean, a perfect example is, particularly during the Tour de France, Google will pick up, uh, they'll pick up stories from the tour, and it sends this audience that doesn't actually kind of know who we are, what we do, into the site, and it kind of just confuses them. Uh, like, just just last night, perfect example. Ian wrote a story. Um, it was just for a little vignette about Watt Van Aert sitting on his phone. Uh, while waiting for his press conference, uh, the sort of purpose of it was was actually like the context around it. Question about like Ken Wildland with lacrosse, and and he kind of used it 
to use the the uh, the body language and reaction of Bernard in this moment to kind of help inform that, that discussion. But this story got picked up by Google and it brought in this whole audience that sort of didn't really understand the way that Ian operates or the way that we usually write, the way that we do content. And you can see the comment section underneath just filled with people that are like, what is this? Like, well, well, why, why are you yelling at the guy for being on his phone? And they just, it's a totally different kind of set of people that don't necessarily get us. And those aren't necessarily people we want to convert as members or that will ever convert as members at all. So we might as well let them in. We might as well let them cruise through the site and check it out every once in a while. And maybe we'll convert them into super users at some point. But for now, you know, let Google pick them up, let them let them check out one or two stories a month or whatever it is and let them do that for free. And so it kind of sits with our philosophical view around around paywalls and it also just works with the way that we do our content and the way that we like our content in front of people. Mm. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting way to do it. And I guess I never thought about the different types of people going through. But on kind of on the same note, what for you guys, what is the main driver of people to the website in terms of content, right? Like, is it bike raising? Is it gear? Is it tech? Like, what, what do you find people are actually responding to the most? It's actually shifted in recent years. Like I said, we, we added this sort of routine, uh, regular racing content only in the last couple of years. Um, and prior to that, the site was, was primarily tech-driven and remains about probably 50-50 at this point in terms of, of sort of pure traffic. Uh, but a lot of the tech stuff is, is, is essentially SEO traffic. A lot of it's just Google-driven Google and... You know, uh, a story about how to bet in your disc brakes that I wrote like three years ago just chugs along and, yeah. you know, 10,000 people read it every month, even now. Um, and, it's <laughs> and kind of nuts. Like it just sits there, right? <laughs> and, it, and Google just does its thing and it just, it just you know, continues to churn. So tech is sort of this big Google SEO monster. Plus, we obviously we do lots of reviews and things like that. Those have a slightly shorter shelf life generally. Um, not too much shorter, slightly shorter shelf life. Two big field tests, things like that. So I think GT was known for tech for a very long time. Um, that was what really set us apart for kind of that like 2016 to 2018, 19 kind of, kind of range. Primarily because we had James Wong on, on staff, still on staff. Um, and James, I think, is the, is the best tech editor in the business. Um, you know, Dave Rome has always been phenomenal, and those guys built a tech product that felt different from the rest of, of bike media because it felt honest, basically. Um, we have definitely, since adding a lot of racing stuff into the content mix, we've kind of shifted a little bit away from that. Uh, not that the tech is less important, but we've just added a lot of other things on top of it. So, you know, we add Ian stuff, we add a lot of analytics stuff, uh, I should say, like racing, racing analysis kind of stuff. Uh, that I think is, is becoming, I like to think that rather than just be known for tech or just be known for racing, what we're actually known for these days is kind of what you alluded to, right? When we first started chatting, which is you can kind of get a bit of everything that you, that you would want as, as, a, as a bike fan. Um, that's what we're kind of going for these days is not to be stuck in one camp or the other. Like we're not a bike radar or a cycling news. We are trying to do the interesting things from, from both at this point. Uh, and it is, it, it was reflected in the analytics, which is, like I said, roughly 50-50 in terms of traffic coming from those two sides of the aisle. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess it, it's it's always there's multiple camps, I guess, when you think about schools of thought for how that works, right? Because it feels like everybody either dives in all the way on this one thing, right? And that's what they do, or they kind of try to hit everything. And I, I, I'm kind of still out to lunch on whether what works better, I guess, because you have to so, do everything really well, right? If you're going to do everything, you have to do everything really well. Yeah. The, the way that we, the way that we think about it, the way I think about it, um, you know, like you said, there's, there's the one of the options is, is just go sort of deep dive into a niche. Uh, like uh, Ray over at the Raymaker is a perfect example of that, right? Like he he is the gadget guy. And if you want a Garmin review or a Wahoo review or, or a trainer review or whatever, like you go to DC Raymaker because he's, he's, he's just the best. And it's all he does and he's phenomenal at it. That is one model. Uh the other side of, of the coin is like the, the sort of the broader, let's do a bit of everything kind of model. And I, I, just to clarify what I said earlier, like we don't try to just touch on all these different things. Essentially what we do is I stick people into, into deeps within, mm. like within the edit staff. Um, and those deeps line up with their interests. Like I was saying, when we first started chatting. So it's, it's, I mean, some of the beats are quite, uh, poorly defined i would say you know ian's beat is like if you find something silly on the internet let's write it up like that's a silly right. silly news beat like that, that, that so that's included <laughs> but also but also can be also can be like quite narrow like i said like dave rome and his tool beat or you know james wong is doing a fair amount of stuff on um you know, like cargo bikes and and the transportation stuff and things like that if we can sort of dive into these beats that each one of the editors is, is, is interested in and focused on, we can do those really, really well. Maybe we can't go quite a hundred percent in like, like Ray at DC Rainmaker does on gadgets, but we can get pretty close and we can be sort of authentic within each one of those little spaces. Uh, the hard part is, is essentially saying no to all the stuff that maybe fit, would normally sit in the gaps in between those. So like we just need to go hard into each of these niches and kind of ignore things that we may find mm. interesting if they don't fit into the model or, or the sort of the content mix that we've defined. Um, which again, is, is we've got essentially something for each staff member to, to essentially be assigned to um, formally or informally. And then the result of that hopefully <laughs> is, is, this content mix that, that kind of makes sense and, and also feels feels authentic with each, within each one of the, the, the niches that we pick. Niches, 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 niches. niches uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes, niches. Same. Niche. Yeah. yeah. Everybody says something different and nobody ever corrects anybody on it, so it's it's fine. No, that that makes that makes Let's a lot go. of sense. That's a good clarification. Um. Cool. Well. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I appreciate you taking the time in a cafe in France to do this thing. This is perfect. Um, I hope it's not too loud. <laughs> no, it should. No, dude. It's, okay. It actually sounds pretty good even just through this. So it's not It's not bad. All right. Um, good, good. Where, where can people find you guys? Where can people find you on the internet, Instagram, social, website, whatever? Um, I'm super easy to find because I think I'm the only person on the planet with my name, uh, which is Kaylee Fretz. <laughs> So if you search for C-A-L-E-Y-F-R-E-T-Z and literally anywhere, you're going to find me and nobody else. 
uh, that's handy. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm the editor in chief of Cycling Tips, which we do everything. I mean, the website is is the big one. You can find us on thecyclingtips.com. Um, yeah, we do a podcast. Uh, we're actually still doing. Actually, if I could plug one thing, I don't know. I don't know how soon this is going up. Next uh, week. What we're doing right now is we're do, we're doing. Ah, so we'll miss it anyway. <laughs> well, if you want to go catch up, we're we're doing we're doing daily podcasts in the Tour de France stand this week, which is super cool. And it's the first time that we've done that. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, we we do a weekly podcast. We do uh, lots of stuff on social. You can find us all the place there. Our social editor is also sitting about fifteen feet away from me and just gave me a little wink when I said that. So, uh, yeah, we're we're easy to find. I'm I'm pretty easy to find. And if you like. All things bikes, generally drop bar related, but uh, all things bikes, quirky and interesting and sometimes a bit weird and wacky, then we're, we're hopefully the, the bicycle website for you, I think. Yeah, and, and props to your social editor, by the way, because somehow you guys have managed to weather the storm of, uh, of needing to make reels um, and or memes in order to get engagement. Like the engagement seems solid. People click and, and engage with the stuff that you put out on social all the time regardless so so props mikey better than legend <laughs> <laughs>